Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast for entrepreneurs who are ready to make some money while doing what they love. On this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and talk about all things business and money, but I promise you this is not your typical boring numbers talk. I'm your host, Sarah Young, a CPA and CFO with over a decade of experience in finance, business, and leadership. I'm going to share everything I've learned from helping my clients grow more profitable businesses and keep more of what they earn while growing my own successful business along the way. You'll feel empowered and confident that you too can grow your wealth, live a rich life, and have an impact. Stick with me and you might even start to think that finance is fun. Let's dive in. What's up, y'all? This week, we are wrapping up the series on increasing your cash inflows and increasing your sales in your business by talking about your business model. And so we're really going to bring together all of the things that we have talked about over the last several weeks and think more big picture about how do you fit all the puzzle pieces of your business together in order to make money in the most easy and efficient way possible. And that all comes down to your business model. So to quickly recap what we covered in the series, we started off in episode 15 by talking about your baseline revenue. This is your revenue goal that will cover all the things that you need to keep the lights on. It should be your first revenue target. I don't care about six figures or seven figures or whatever. I care about your baseline and your baseline is a function of your personal needs and your business's expenses. So if you have not done that calculation, if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to that episode and then grab the free calculator that I have at profitandprosper.co forward slash calculator. You can calculate your revenue goal along with me as I walk you through in that episode. Then we have talked about once you know your revenue goal and you know how much money you need to bring in, how do you do that in the most easy, efficient way possible? We've talked about crafting the right offers and packages. We've talked about increasing prices. You heard us last week talking with Jessica about different things to consider as you are pricing your packages and thinking about how you run your business. And so what we're going to do in this episode is bring it all together in a tactical way. So this is an exercise. What I'll walk you through is an exercise that I do with my clients as we think about how are they going to get it done in their business. And in addition to price, I'm going to go ahead and tell you there's two important things that we have to consider. One thing is capacity. So your capacity and or your team's capacity. And the next piece is your sales and marketing process. The main thing I don't want to have happen here is that you go and calculate your revenue goal, you do some of the math and the planning that we're going to talk about in this episode, and you end up with some pie in the sky target that is going to take you a year to figure out how to do. So I've actually done this before. Like I have worked with business coaches and we've been like, what's your ideal business? And like, how are you going to map out like getting to a million dollars? And we said, all I need is this many clients and this package and this package, and then I need this team and here's what it looks like. And it was all great. And sure, that was all within my capacity to do. But what I didn't consider was how long it was going to take me to build up to that level of clients. And so what I want you to walk away with is 
yes, you can totally do this exact same process to think about longer term goals. But what's important to me is that you are able to implement your business model changes now and see the impact on your bottom line and have enough money coming in to float you, not to float you, but to pay you regularly and to keep the lights on um, as you work your way up to your next level revenue goal. So the question is, how do we fit the puzzle pieces together? How do we design a business that allows us to meet that revenue goal with the most ease and efficiency, then also allows us to have the time and the space to take care of ourselves. And think back to all the things that we talked about last week with Jessica, having the time and space to take care of yourself, to take care of your team, to have community with other people. Um, We talked about all sorts of factors to consider, pricing for your margin, pricing for justice, right? Pricing for transformation, all these things factor in. How do you do this in a way that leaves you with the time and space that you need to actually have time freedom and not be tied to your business? Um, I see a lot of business owners where with the way that they structure things when they first start out in business, if they stop working, the money stops coming in. And that's what we want to begin to break ourselves away from, because that's the key to having a successful business that consistently puts money in your pocket. So what it boils down to is choosing the right business model for you and your goals. And everybody is going to do this episode and walk through the exercise and answer the questions I'm going to ask you. And everybody will come up with a different business model because everybody's different. Okay. But first and foremost, what do I mean when I say business model? A business model, really simply, I mean, if you go out and Google it, which I did before I did this episode, just out of curiosity, if you go Google, like, what are types of business models, you are going to get a crap ton of different types of business models. But let's just simplify and zoom out and say this. A business model essentially is what you are selling to who and how you deliver that thing that you're selling. So what you're selling is what are your packages? um, What is the value that you're providing to your customers? What are they getting from you? Who are you selling to? And this is not just, are you selling to businesses or consumers, but it's really like, who is your specific customer? Because in some of the examples we're gonna talk about, you'll see that with the same industry, you can have different packages And the customer is going to be wildly different who's going to buy each of these packages. And then how you deliver it is how, you know, how do you work with your clients? Is it very high touch or is it more of like a group program? Is it a physical store location or is it all online? Is it with a team or are you doing all of the work pretty much by yourself? I'll give you an example um, of interior designers. So I have actually a handful of interior designers and home organizer clients, and they sort of run the gamut in terms of what their business models look like. So I have some that are newer in business who will charge two or $3,000 for a project. I have others who have been in business longer and long ago decided they were going the premium route, the super premium route, and their average project price is almost $100,000. So imagine the difference in the business model between the business that is doing a $3,000 project versus a $100,000 project. What are they selling, right? 
the ones that are selling a $100,000 project, they're probably doing a whole house. They're probably doing a renovation. They're probably doing like super premium luxury um, finishings and furnishings, right? They're selling to people who can afford that and who want that. They're selling to the people who want the super high touch service from their interior designers, right? And then how they deliver that they have a team because the scale of these projects is so much bigger, they cannot do it by themselves. And so they deliver that with the team. And so that is a very intentional choice to move in that direction, as opposed to I'm doing $3,000 projects that I can run by myself. And I'm selling it to people who want one room and who want to work within a budget, right? These are different business models, okay? But you can imagine if you have the same revenue target you have to have a lot less of the $100,000 projects than you do the $3,000 projects, okay? So this is what I wanna start thinking about in this episode. The right business model is going to fit your personality. It is going to allow you to do what you love and it will allow you to strike a balance between making the right amount of money and having the right workload and space, time and space for you to exist without working in your business, okay? And so what I mean by that is, I'll use myself as an example. My business right now, I have a two-year-old. My business right now is wildly different than it was before I had a baby because the way that I spend my time needs to be different. I don't have as much time as I did before I had a baby. I can't just work all day long and all night long because I have a tiny human to take care of. And any moms listening to this know that the childcare situation out there is insane. So we, I have to have not just very potent blocks of work time, but I also have to have flexibility and time and space. And so what that means for me is I chose to hire a team and offload some of the work that I have to do so that it doesn't all depend on me because that fits with my personality and enables me to do what I love because what I love is talking to my clients. What I don't love is the prep work that goes into talking to my clients. And so I have structured my business to work with that. My team hands me what I need on a silver platter so that when I drop into my calls with my clients, all I have to focus on is doing what I do best, right? But somebody else, there are other virtual CFOs out there who are solopreneurs. They're just kind of doing it all for their clients because that's what they love to do. And so you have to consider what is it that you want to do and how do you want to work with your clients? What do you want to sell? What kind of transformation do you want to provide and structure your business model accordingly? Tell me if this sounds like you. Your business is growing and you're making more sales than ever, but you still feel all over the place with your money. You're ready for your cash flow to reflect all the hard work you've put into your business. You're ready to make some money and get paid, but you aren't sure how to get there or what to prioritize next to make it happen. Then let's work on that. My Cashflow Intensive is a one-on-one service that will have you feeling empowered, invigorated, and super clear on your next steps. And we do it all fast. The intensive is the only way to get my eyes on the behind the scenes of your business without a long-term commitment. In the intensive, I focus on three areas. I'll review your financials and identify profit leaks preventing you from making more money. I'll show you how to streamline your financial systems to bring in more ease and flow. 
and I will map out a custom plan that will have you adding fifty dollars to $100,000 to your bottom line in the next 12 months. Together, we'll remove the roadblocks so you can make more money in your business fast. Learn more about the cash flow intensive and submit an inquiry to get started at trustyoungco.com forward slash intensive. So let's talk about a few notes about business models, okay? Number one, understand that whatever you decide on now is going to change over time because your business is going to continue to grow. You are going to likely hire some team members at some point, um, even if it's just at a part-time administrative level, because I find people tend to get tired of doing that type of work over and over and over again. Most people, you will continue to get better at what you do and you will probably change over time how you want to work with people, right? Maybe you do one-on-one coaching now, and after a while, you're like, you know what? I'm just really tired of having to constantly have meetings with people and calls. I'd really like to change up how I work with people, and that's fine, right? You're also going to evolve. I find that b- people in business tend to evolve from solopreneur to CEO to business owner, So when you start your business, you are the solopreneur, meaning you are the one responsible for delivery of everything. All of the processes are driven by you, the solopreneur. And then over time, you shift to being the CEO. And so you are a CEO. I mean, yes, you're the CEO of your business if you're a solopreneur. But what I really mean by CEO is you have started to slot people into different roles in your business and you step up into that visionary leadership role where you're guiding the team and guiding the direction of the business without having to execute the day-to-day work. That is a huge shift to go from solopreneur to CEO. But you don't always stop there. Some people also shift over time from being the CEO to being more of the business owner. So those two roles are not one in the same. And a lot of times we think that they're the same. So the CEO, like I said, is really the team leader of the business leader, the visionary guiding the direction of the business versus the business owner really is the person behind the scenes who generally puts up the money to invest in the first place, which could be in the form of you put money into your business to get things going to pay for stuff, um, or you worked for free, right? And that was your time or your money investment was working for free because you gave up your job, basically. So the business owner, I mean, you can, I have seen this happen. And honestly, it's one of my goals for my business over time is just to continue to shift out of the actual running of the business and then become more of the business owner. As the business owner, you don't necessarily get the salary of the CEO, but you have a right to collect the profits of the business because you own the business. Okay. So you will evolve from solopreneur to CEO to business owner. And at each stage of that business in between your business model will change because your delivery methods will change and the direction of your business will probably change. Okay. So please know this is normal. And this is really why I talk so much about the importance of building up your reserves and having diversified income streams. So you're not just relying on one thing because I cannot tell you what's going to happen in the future in your business, in my business, in the economy, with anything. But I can tell you that things will be different. Something will change, right? And so this is why we need to have that space to where if something breaks, we're not our whole business doesn't go down the toilet 
Or if we do need to make a shift in our business and implement new team members, for example, we have the reserves to hold us through that period what before we build back up our sales pipeline. Okay, so a plug real quickly for always working on building up your cash reserves and diversifying your income streams. And I'm not saying have 18 packages that you sell, but I'm saying make sure that you are able to offer maybe multi, maybe more than one package, more than one service offering. You're getting clients or customers from different locations. So I actually was talking to a client a few days ago who runs a lot of Google ads and her account on Google got flagged. And so for an entire month while she was fixing that, she did not get the number of leads she was used to, which meant her sales decreased. Okay. So that's why I talk about diversifying your income streams. So let's talk about a couple, what, what are the types of business models just so you can hear potential different types. And I know you, you may know these already, but I want to put them in front of you so that you can maybe like think about, does one of these business models light me up inside? Is this something I want to consider in my business? Because I think we start our business and we tend to get tunnel vision around like, this is what I'm doing and I cannot shift what I'm doing or it would be too hard for me to do something else. And I want to challenge that idea. So if you have a service-based business in general, the different types of business models you could do, and this is not all inclusive, but this will cover most of you. You could have an agency, which is where you have a team and you tend to focus on strategy and implementation for clients. You could also be a consultant or expert where you don't have a team necessarily that you have outsourced the work to, but you're still doing the strategy and the implementation. You could also be a coach so a coach can be in really any area of business or, I mean, personal coaches. You could have health coaches, life coaches, et cetera. But the coaches tend to focus more on helping you with the strategy and the mindset, and they do not actually do the implementation for you versus an agency model, which is what I have in part. We do the implementation for our monthly clients. We do the work. So you could be a coach or an agency model, or maybe you can be a hybrid of the two. A lot of people are doing um, VIP days or intensive style sessions. It's becoming more and more popular because people value speed. And then you can also get people into your orbit for a lower price than what your full on packages might cost. A lot of people, as we know, have been doing programs recently, whether it's a group program where people get some one on one or group you know, one to many attentions, attentions is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Or, you know, down to like buying a course that they're totally DIYing themselves. So there's the whole like range of what a program could look like, but there's a few different service-based business models. Which one do you have, or do you have a hybrid? And as you think about the different models, I mean, I'll be real. Sometimes I think to myself, if I were starting my business over again, I might focus on a different business model, at least at the start, but that's because hindsight is 2020, right? And so if you think about the different types of business models, which one would you choose if you could, you know, start over? Product-based businesses, you've got physical store locations. So actually having a storefront, you might instead be online. So you could have an e-commerce store. Um, online stores can also have inventory in-house. You are the one who's ordering, receiving, and shipping and managing the inventory. Other online stores do drop shipping where 
the vendor sends the stuff directly to your customers for you and you just get a cut. Um, you could do wholesale. I have several e-commerce clients who after some time transition over into more wholesale because the margins are lower, but the volume is so high that it makes up for it. You could also have a subscription type model. So if you have a product where what you're selling is consumable or, you know, people want to have like a different style of it over time. Like I'm thinking about subscription boxes for clothes, right? You know, moving into that subscription model is a nice way to have recurring revenue. So again, same, same questions as a service-based business, which ones do you have? And what do you wish that you could implement more of in your business? And let's have that in our mind as we think through the rest of this episode. So with all of the business models, you've heard us talk through the last episodes about pricing. And so pricing generally, you're either going to have a business that is lower price, but higher volume, or on the flip side, higher price and lower volume. So you need less customers and really ask yourself, which one are you right now? And a lot of times people start out in business and they think they're high ticket, low volume, but they're really low ticket, low volume. And what I mean by that is you are undercharging for what you're doing. So many people start off doing that. And then you feel like you're high volume, but in reality, you're not doing the volume that you need to make that low ticket price work because you're over delivering and you don't have the capacity to have the number of customers that you need to make the low price work. And so we are going to think about that as we work through this exercise. So the exercise that I do with my clients, I do this with my CFO clients, with my intensive clients, and with our program clients we do in a group call, is this exercise of taking our baseline revenue number, factoring in our capacity and pricing to get a target number of customers. And then what I like to do is carry that all the way through to If you need 10 customers, how many leads do you have to get? And do you have the sales and marketing process in place already to get that number of leads? Because if you don't, then this is that pie in the sky fantasy that I mentioned earlier in the episode. All right, y'all. So now we are going to do some math. If you have not gotten the revenue goal calculator yet, I already said this, but go grab it. It is at profitandprosper.co slash calculator. And you should have calculated your baseline revenue target in that calculator already. Again, go back to episode 15 for a walkthrough of that. So your baseline revenue is a function of your pay and your business expenses. Once you have that revenue goal, then we are going to do some math to figure out your um, capacity, our volume, the sales volume that you need to do, and your price. But we have to remember when it comes to capacity, we are constrained by how many customers you can physically serve. And you'll do yourself a favor if you bake in downtime, like we talked about in the episode with Jessica, right? Bake in that downtime, bake in time for cyclicality, because you are not going to be able to operate at 100% month after month after month. It's just not reasonable. Then we also have to make sure we understand, like, what are the limits of our pricing? And so I'm all about a high ticket offer, but you've got to make sure that if you raise the price, 
and you promise to do more for your clients, that you also have the capacity to do that. And that when you think about your target customers, that you are not going to price yourself out of what they can even physically pay, right? So we have constraints on each of these. So I want you to take your revenue goal and we're going to do two formulas. Number one, let's say your revenue goal is $10,000 because it's a nice round number. What is your current price for what you're selling? So let's say your current price for a package And I'm literally going to have to do a calculator because I cannot do math on the fly in my head. If you have listened to enough episodes of the podcast, you know this already. So let's say that your current price for a session or whatever product you're selling is $250. Divide that out. So your revenue goal divided by your price is going to tell you how many customers you need to meet that revenue goal. So in this case, $10,000 divided by 250 means I need 40 customers per month. And this is where we think about constraints. How many customers can you physically serve, right? I'll give you a couple examples of this in a second. But how many customers do you actually have the capacity reasonably to serve? If you do not have the capacity for 40 customers, then we're going to move on to the second calculation. The second one is we are going to take our revenue goal and divide that by your actual capacity. So let's say again, our $10,000 revenue goal we're going to put in and we're going to divide that by how many of our packages can we physically sell? And let's say that we feel confident that we could do, let's say six per week. And that would imply 24, we'll say 25 because that's a better an easier number. So let's say we can do 25 sessions a month and that bakes in downtime, okay? 25 packages or 25 customers. 10,000 divided by 25 is $400. So our current pricing is $250, but when we do the math based on what our actual capacity is, we get to 400. And so the question is, okay, something has got to give because our current structure, our current model is not ever going to work, okay? And this is why if you ever feel like you're banging your head against the wall and constantly on the hamster wheel, this is why. Do this math. And so what you have to ask yourself is, is it more feasible for me to increase my price to $400? If I increase my price, is there anything else that I need to include in my packages in order to make people feel like they are getting more value? Or am I just undercharging for what I'm doing? If you want to answer that question, Go back and listen to the previous episodes in this series. All right. So ask yourself if you can raise that price. Alternatively, you know, your capacity is 25. Is there a way that you can increase your capacity without working yourself to death? And the way that you increase your capacity is maybe you include things in your package in your product or whatever that do not require one-on-one time from you. Maybe you have an ebook or you take some time and record a training. Maybe it's automating some of the onboarding and offboarding processes or whatever that is. If you can get your capacity from 25 to 30, instead of a $400 revenue target, it's $333. So that's more achievable potentially, right? You've got to figure out out of these two what is reasonable for me to achieve, okay? Then let's do the next math. So the next math is, I want to make sure this is not a pie in the sky goal. So if you decide I need to get 
40 customers a month, right? 40 customers. Let's say you are a service-based business and you're doing sales calls for 40 customers. And maybe, maybe if you have them like on a recurring, you don't have to get 40 every month, but let's just say, what would it take to get 40 customers? If you have a sales call, let's say a really good close rate is 75%. And so this is like pretty optimistic, but I'm going to do 40 customers divided by 75% means I have to have 53 sales calls to close 40 customers. And then what do I have to do to get 53 sales calls? I need to ask yourself, how many calls am I getting now? Is that anywhere close to my target number that I need? If it's not, then your sales and marketing processes are something you're going to need to invest in. You're going to have to put some time into figuring out how can I get more leads? But in the meantime, what is reasonable? How many clients can you book and make sure you go back and factor that into your capacity? Okay. The same thing works for product-based businesses. So if your um, sales target, again, is $10,000, let's say you sell stuff and on average it's $25 per order. So your average order value is $25. That means you need 400 orders in a month in order to get your revenue goal. And conversion rate, like a conversion rate online, let's say your conversion rate, if you have a store, is 2%. So that means you need 20,000 people hitting your website in order to make um, 400 sales. And so to make that easier, again, you can increase the average order value. So what could you do to sell more stuff per customer? And that would get your number of orders down and then your number of eyeballs down. And the other thing that I want you to consider too is if you want 20,000 eyeballs on your site, then a lot of people default to, I'm going to go run Facebook ads, which are crazy expensive. And if that is your choice to go and run Facebook ads, then is that built into your baseline revenue calculation? Do you have an ads budget built in there already? Because if you don't, it is going to drastically increase your revenue once you add it in. Okay. That's what I mean. It's like, one big puzzle. (laughs) And thinking about recording this episode, I was like, how am I ever going to explain this? And I can't obviously walk every single one of you through this thought process that I have, but, you know, hopefully you'll get a few tidbits from here and at least plants the seed. And then if it's something you decide to work on, come and check out my group program, which we generally run once a quarter. That is at trustyoungco.com forward slash programs. Or check out my cash flow intensive, which is where I will sit down with you one on one and we will do this exercise and a whole bunch more stuff to get you to a place where you're making more money. That is at trustyoungco.com forward slash intensive. All right. So let me give you some examples. Okay. Some real life examples to close this out so you can see how it works. So the first example is a coach. I have several coach clients and a lot of them sell packages of one-on-one sessions and their sales under that model are very contingent on -on one-on-one client time because there isn't really a deliverable outside of the sessions because coaching is all about the strategy and the mindset and that's going to come out when you're on your calls with your people, right? So you can increase your capacity. Again, I have seen health coaches, for example, who have a whole bunch of training and tutorials and 
you know, eBooks and things handed over to their clients as part of the onboarding process. But, you know, ultimately it still is how many one-on-one sessions can you do every week or every month, right? And so what are the options for business models for this type of um, person? You have high ticket, right? So go super high ticket. Um, I actually was in our program call this past week. There was one of the people on the call was a coach and we looked at what her average monthly price was. So, so she does one-on-one sessions, but charges just a package fee for a certain number of sessions. And she would end up working with people with executives who arguably make a lot of money. She would work with them for $700 a month. And I was like, that needs to be doubled. <laughs> just, I, I think that without even really doing anything different in your package, you can totally double that price, right? So go for a high ticket one-on-one, meaning you have less clients that you need, but you can pay more attention to each individual client. Less of your calendar time is taken up with calls because most of the delivery is taking place on that call, but you don't have a lot to do out necessarily outside of the calls. You're protecting your space in that way. Another option that I've seen is, like I said, provide the ebooks, the trainings, or the other materials that they can access. If you find yourself saying the same thing over and over and over again, just write it down and give it to them. And then you don't have to spend the time on your calendar doing that training individually every time. I have another health coach actually who has started to hire other coaches to execute on her framework that she does with clients. And so she has shifted to taking more of the um, tricky clients, the tricky cases, and then the more standard routine ones go to her assistant coaches. And then she charges more for the packages where she is the one doing the work. And so that's another way to make more money and increase your capacity, right? Is to hire a team member, but you have to go back into your baseline revenue calculation and make sure that the team member pay is baked in to your math. And then of course you can do a group program or course, right? Again, if you find yourself saying the same thing after working with one people one-on-one for a while, there's definitely a potential for coming up with a group program or course, but keep in mind, you have to have an audience to successfully get leads in the door for this. You can absolutely grow a group program with referrals, but if I think about the ones that I see being touted on Instagram about, look at my huge launch I had, these people have a huge audience, okay? because the conversion rate for these types of programs is much lower than it is for your 75% conversion rate sales calls, okay? So there's an example of coaches, and I talked about actually a few different coach clients that I have and their business models. Let's move on to a product-based business. So I have a handful of e-commerce clients, and I have one in particular I'm thinking about where She started off her business selling to consumers and got a lot of customers from ads, which if you are in this industry, you know that ad cost is crazy expensive and only increases over time. And a lot of these businesses that I see actually don't focus on getting return customers. So you pay all this money to acquire the customer the first time that a lot of times eats your margin away after you pay for the product and shipping and the ads, you have no money left because the ads were so expensive. And a lot of business owners don't capitalize on email marketing or any sort of like incentives to get these re- these customers to come back and buy again. 
So when we do the revenue goal for these clients, and this one I'm thinking about in particular, we'll take the revenue goal, divide by the average order value to get the order volume. And then like we did in the example before, divide the order volume by the conversion rate to see how many hits do we need on the website and compare all of that to what's currently happening. And you actually have a lot of levers you can pull. You can figure out how do you increase your conversion rate? How do you get more eyeballs on your website? How do you increase your average order value? All of those are things you can do to bring more money in. So the other option is to shift your business model again, right? Sometimes people in e-commerce businesses run into an issue where they have so many orders, they can't even ship them on time and they can't provide good customer service. And so you've got to start thinking about, okay, do I need to start hiring people to come in and do the shipping for me or come in and do customer service so that I can focus on the product development and the sales and marketing. You also have options to do drop ship, right? So drop shipping is when you don't have the inventory in house and theoretically you can do almost an unlimited number of these orders. So the margins are lower under the drop ship model, but you can um, increase your, or your volume with the right sales and marketing activities, okay? And then I've seen a lot of e-commerce clients where over time they eventually move into wholesale. And so wholesale, similar to dropship, your margins are going to be a lot lower, but it's a high dollar value sale every time you make one because they're ordering in such bulk. And then you also only have one order to ship as opposed to like 400, right? 400 consumer orders. And so that may be a model that sure the margins are lower, but it is easier to execute that and sustain that over time. Okay, so many things to consider if you have a product-based business. The last one I wanna talk about is, this one is a home services type business. A lot of home services businesses have people who go out and do the work. So labor actually like going to the customer's house to do the thing. And then they also tend to have supplies costs too. So what you have to do in this case is you have to pay attention to your gross profit. And when we do our revenue calculation, you have to keep in mind, you have to figure out for job X, for this job, this is the revenue that I charge. This is how much I pay the people to go and do the work. And you also have to make sure you factor in any cost of supplies that go into that and then ask yourself, what's left over? That's your gross profit that you get to keep and spend on your overhead expenses. And so when we do the revenue calculation, we have to factor in that percentage that you're keeping versus spending on getting the jobs done. And so this one really comes down to pricing and capacity, like everything else, right? How many jobs can you do in a week, including downtime? So you always... In this type of business, you have to include downtime. I mean, think about landscaping companies and weather, right? You can't assume that you're going to operate at 100% capacity because it's just not feasible. When you have labor costs or when you have people doing work for you, you also are going to have people sick. You are going to have customers cancel on you. It's just a fact of the industry, right? So you have to factor in the downtime. So take your revenue goal, divide it by how many jobs you can feasibly do in a month, and that is your average price. And then, like I said before, you have to consider how does this price compare? How does the math compare to your actual price, okay? 
So your options in this case would be raise your price, meaning you can take on larger projects that command a premium. So I'm gonna use home organizing businesses as an example. You heard Lauren say a couple episodes ago, there are home organizing companies that charge $10,000 to go in and knock out a whole house in a weekend. And they command that premium because they get it done fast and they have a larger scope of work. But to do that, you can imagine you got to have more labor costs, right? More people out there doing the work to get it done fast. But you have that premium. Okay, so consider if there's a way that you can charge more and either provide a more premium service or get it done faster because people pay for speed. Or you can increase your capacity, right? And so I was doing this math again with a home organizer on our program coaching call this past week. And, you know, if the price times the current capacity doesn't work, it doesn't meet your revenue goal, then if you don't feel like you can raise your price, then you have to raise your capacity, meaning hire more subcontractors, take on more projects. So maybe instead of having one project going per day, you've got two, two teams. But you have to make sure before you do this that your back-end systems support the increase in customers, the increase in contracts and billing and team members and scheduling. In addition to, you need to make sure you have enough leads coming in. And so again, we don't want to put pie in the sky numbers out there saying, oh, I'm sure I'll double, I'll hire somebody and double my projects. If you don't have the leads coming in to support that, it's just not going to work, at least not in the short term. The other option would be, how can I do maybe virtual consoles? There's a service online, it's called Havenleam. This is where I use this, I use this company to do the interior design for a lot of our, the rooms in our house. And they're totally virtual. And basically what they do is you take pictures of your space, send them a Pinterest board, and they'll basically pull together like a mood board for you and a shopping list. And this could be super profitable because you could imagine to execute this, you don't have to go to somebody's house. You don't have to do all the one-on-one back and forth. You're not the one doing the ordering, right? But you can still charge you know, a decent price for it because you're doing the service. Like for me, I could never do that, right? That's the part that I value. I don't necessarily mind the ordering and like logistics of it all. It's just like putting it together and looking nice is my issue, okay? And so there's other ways, right, to increase your capacity without necessarily having to increase your pricing, okay? But in the short term, if you look at the math and you say, you know what, I don't have the leads coming in currently to make it all work, I'm going to work on this over time. I'm going to work on the next three to six months increasing my sales and marketing activities to get more leads in. But in the short term, I am going to decide I'm either going to take on more premium projects increase my price all around, or I'm going to play with doing some of these other, you know, lower lift projects that I can still charge a premium for, but I can knock out several of those. Okay. All of that is to say, I know I threw a lot of examples at you, but honestly, y'all finding the right business model is probably going to be the thing that makes your business work or not work. Okay. Because if you are trying to make a business work and you are not allowing yourself the space to take care of yourself, if you're not doing the the activities that you actually love doing, 
Like when I started my business and I was doing bookkeeping and having to execute on all the behind the scenes stuff, y'all, I hated it because it's just not what lights me up. But there's other people who are amazing and do love that. So you have to make sure that you factor in doing what lights you up because that will make you excited and that will make things just all around better for you. And it will magnetize more people to you when you are excited. So your business model is super important. And when I do this exercise with a lot of clients, it ends up where a lot of them just the numbers don't work with the way that they have it set up right now. So that's why I think it's so important for you to go through and do the math I talked about in this episode, figure out out of all of the different levers you can pull and pieces you can put into place, how are you going to structure your business so that it works for you? Okay. And I have resources. So go grab my calculator, profitandprosper.co forward slash calculator. And then if you want help doing this, that is, that is part of our Profit and Prosper group program. And then I will also help people one-on-one with our cash flow intensive to do exactly this type of thing. Okay. So go and do this exercise and I will see you back next week as we shift our thinking from cash flow in our business to turning cash flow into wealth. All right. So I'm really excited for this next series on the podcast and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now, I want you to go take some action. What's one thing you can do this week to create more profit in your business? Send me a DM on Instagram at youngcocfo and share your action item with me. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to dive into, or if you're feeling empowered about taking charge of your finances, let's continue the conversation. Go to profitandprosper.co to submit a question or topic for me to talk about on the show. And because we all profit and prosper better with friends, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen, and share the episode. Make sure you tag me at youngcocfo on Instagram so I can give you some love, and I'll see you in the next episode.